I'm Liz Sauer, and this is Ghosts and the Burbs, a podcast of ghost stories from Wellesley, Massachusetts. A warning, adults who use adult language told me these frightening tales, these ghost stories, aren't for kids. Thank you, Laura Renald, for so generously donating to support the podcast on Patreon. Thank you as well to Cyrus Taylor and Michelle Pucci. Your generosity earned you a tale of your own. Stay tuned to hear that horrifying story after this next tale. We're on to ghost story number 35. What has two Z's, two O's, and an anger management problem? Over the next week, Jen Hensley became a surprisingly frequent texter. For some unknown reason, the woman had taken a liking to me, and I couldn't shake her. It began when I texted her Judith Kay's contact information, and then escalated to Jen basically live texting me from the Manny Petty. The texts were basically inane gossip. Who she saw, where she went, who she saw when she was headed to wherever she was going, what they were wearing, etc. It was mildly amusing at times claustrophobia-inducing at others. She didn't ask about me or my life, thank goodness, and she never suggested that we hang out. It was as if she had simply tapped me into her stream of thought via our cell phones. You need boundaries, Biddy pointed out, not for the first time. I agreed, of course, but what was I going to do? Tell Jen to stop texting me insipid nonsense? Mark my words, Biddy insisted. You'll be sorry you didn't shut her down sooner. I felt that was rather dramatic. It was just a silly text chain. Jen's interest in me, or talking at me through text, rather, would peter out eventually. Meanwhile, I was impatiently waiting for Judith to come diagnose my paranormal problem, and Biddy had someone she wanted me to meet. He thinks he has a demon problem, Biddy told me over quinoa bowls at Cocoa Beat. Why does he think that? I asked, enjoying the maple syrup-drenched grains despite myself. Mood swings, aggression, seeing shadows, sleep paralysis, the usual, she replied. These are good, right? I nodded. When are you meeting him? I asked. Tomorrow morning at Crateberry. He's a vegetarian. Hmm, what time? 9.30. And they have crepes? The next morning was a complete and utter shit show. I was so turned around and lethargic that I could barely make the kids' lunches for school. I hadn't slept well the night before. Vivid dreams kept startling me awake until I finally gave up and read until the kids woke up. Even though I was running late, I stopped for a Starbucks latte before making my way over to Crateberry. I scanned the cozy restaurant and spotted Biddy. Her back was to me, and she sat across from an Adonis. Though seated, I could tell the man was tall— He had very dark, wavy brown hair, which he kept a little long, and it looked as though he'd spent a week or two someplace warm and sunny. I pegged him somewhere in his early to mid-forties. I put my hand on Biddy's back, said hello, and then introduced myself. "'Liz, hello,' the hunk said, with a wide smile and heavily lashed shark's eyes. "'I'm Jason, Jason Brock. So great of you to hash this out with me.' His handshake was way too strong, and I resisted massaging my hand after I sat. "'You look like shit,' Biddy declared, concern in her voice. "'Are you all right?' I shook my head. 
Yeah, just a rough night's sleep. Sorry I'm late. What are you guys talking about? Oh, I was just saying how much I like this restaurant. I was telling Biddy that I'm a 100% plant-fueled athlete. It's the wave of the future for athletics. Even Tom Brady's doing it. Who's that? I asked. The two of them looked at me like I'd just thrown my coffee at the wall. I'm joking, I said, rolling my eyes. Jason laughed nervously. Yeah, well, lately I've been having a hard time staying on my plan. I blame it on the trouble I've been having. Wait, I said. Did Biddy tell you that I write a blog about Wellesley hauntings? I asked. Oh, sure, yeah, that's great. It sounds rad, he said, brow furrowed. I just mean, is it all right with you if I record your story and share it on the blog? I would change your name and everything to keep you anonymous. Oh, right, yeah, sure, that's cool. Jason had been sitting with his elbows on the table. He removed them and then put his hands together in his lap and looked between the two of us with mild concern, as if we were about to conduct a job interview. You wrote in your initial email that you feel like there's a demon haunting you, Betty said, cutting to the chase. Yeah, I do, Jason said with slight embarrassment. Why do you think that? I asked. Well, I've had mood swings lately. Bad mood swings. I'll be fine, you know, and then all of a sudden it's like I want to tear someone's head off. And there are shadows in my house. I see them out of the corner of my eye. I was watching television the other night and one passed right in front of the screen and then darted into my kitchen. Oh, and a couple times I've woken up in the middle of the night and it feels like something is sitting on my chest. I can't move at all and it's really hard to breathe. That's been the worst, feeling trapped like that. That sounds really awful, Betty said sympathetically. And those things can definitely signify demonic oppression, but why do you think a demon would be haunting you? I've thought a lot about that, you know. Like, why me? Why now, when I'm at the top of my game? Jason looked down at his lap. I'm not perfect. I admit I went through some rough years, you know, with my ex and the kids, but I've worked really hard and put all that behind me. So you think that something you did attracted a demon? I asked. Jason looked nervously between us, then leaned forward. Look, I'm no saint, all right? I cheated on my wife a couple times, and that's why we split up, but I'm a pretty good dad. And I'm totally clean now, but in my 30s, I got into supplements that enhance the effectiveness of my workouts. My mind took a minute to catch up. Oh, steroids? Jason looked around nervously. Yeah, but that is all totally out of my system. I train people now, and everything I teach is based on completely clean eating and living. You think using steroids somehow led to a demonic attachment? Betty asked. I'm just trying to come clean, that's all. I just want you to know the whole story. It feels like my past has come up to bite me. Betty watched him for a moment, considering. She said, You know, the symptoms you've mentioned, they could simply have a medical basis. Mood swings are definitely tied to steroid use. The rest might be anxiety brought on by these big life changes you mentioned. No, that's not it. That's not what's happening. I'm not describing everything right. Jason became agitated, shaking his head back and forth. Biddy and I both sat further back in our seats. I don't doubt what you're saying. You obviously experienced something disturbing. When did all of this begin? Biddy asked soothingly. A few weeks ago, Jason replied. 
So what exactly happened? I asked, wondering why he was being so vague. Jason blew out a breath. I went on a date with this crazy chick. That's the night everything started. I glanced at Biddy. She sighed and said, Now we're getting somewhere. What happened that night? So this girl I do CrossFit with set us up. I wasn't totally sold on the idea, but Caroline, the woman I work out with, pushed and pushed for it. She told me her friend was really hot and into working out, and she thought we'd connect. So I gave in and agreed to text the girl and asked if she wanted to grab a drink. She works clients out in their home, like she's a personal coach, and her last client of the day lived in Needham, so we met early, round five, for a drink at Blue on Highland. I figured if it was a total bomb, I could duck out saying I had a dinner reservation with a friend at seven. Caroline wasn't wrong. This girl, Reagan, was really hot. Not my type, you know. She was pretty tatted up and had short, dyed black hair with some of those purple stripes. Know what I mean? Thing was, she was pretty cool to hang out with. A little intense, but we talked a lot about training, and she was pretty interested in hearing all about CrossFit. We ordered another drink, and she asked if she could read my palm. I was like, yeah, whatever, and kind of laughed it off, but she took my hand and told me all this whack stuff about the lines on my hands. What kind of stuff? I asked. Oh, man, I don't know. I wasn't really paying attention until she started wigging out about my fate line. She held her hand out next to mine to get me to see some similarity that I honestly didn't see, but she was like 100% sure that our fates were crossing for some reason. Then she goes, you have to come home with me. I couldn't help it. I laughed out loud, which made Jason smile and blush a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, I know it sounds like a total pickup line, but it wasn't like that. She was, like, convinced that something special was happening. And, I mean, of course I wanted to go home with her. She was sort of strange, but, you know, she was hot, so I agreed to follow her home. Does she live in Wellesley, too? I asked. No, but really close by. She lives in those apartments near the Woodland Country Club, close to the tea station. Betty and I indicated that we knew the ones he was referring to. Yeah, her place was cool. It was a two-bed, and she lived alone, so I figured she was doing pretty well for herself. She poured us a drink, and then she showed me the second bedroom. It was cool. She converted the room into her own workout meditation studio. In front of the windows, there was a wooden table with this glittery black tablecloth on it and two chairs, so we sat down across from each other. She was like, don't think I'm crazy, but I've been waiting to meet you. So I go, I know, Caroline's been trying to get us together for a while. I've just been busy or whatever. And Reagan was like, no, I knew about you before that. "Uh Uh-oh, I said, sucking in a breath. Jason shook his head. At first I thought, shit, is this chick some kind of a stalker or something? But then she started talking really quickly about how the table we were sitting at had told her all sorts of things that had come to pass and that it described a tall man with black hair whose life she would change. She was all, you're that man. Dude, after my dad died, my mom used to go to a psychic, so I totally get how some people are into that stuff, but I just never put any stock in it, you know? But this chick was way into it. What exactly did she tell you? She was positive that she'd been told all about me and that we were supposed to meet so she could change my life. The weird thing was she knew I wasn't believing her, so she started spouting things off about my life that she should not have known. Like what? I asked nervously. Like my birthday, for one thing. 
She knew your exact birthday? Biddy asked doubtfully. Maybe your friend told her. I don't think so. Maybe, but there was other stuff. She knew that I'm an only child and that my dad died from a heart attack a couple years ago. She said it all made sense that the table had told her these things because she needed to get those facts to make me believe her. Ugh, tell me you put your drink down and got out of there, I said. Jason shrugged. I was weirded out, sure, but... But she was hot, Biddy interjected. Well, that and what she was saying was nuts. Like, how could she know all of that about me? Then what? I pressed. Well, then she was like, I have to show you. You'll believe me if I show you. So she told me to pick up my drink, so I did. And then she pulled the shimmery cloth off the table, and I saw there were letters painted all over the tabletop. Biddy actually slapped her hand to her forehead at that point. What? Jason said nervously. Is that bad? You tell me, Biddy replied, rubbing her hand over her eyes. What happened next? Jason looked at me as if for reassurance, but I just stared at him, fascinated. Well, he continued, she grabbed a glass that was sitting on the windowsill, turned it over, and put it in the middle of the table over this, like, little painting of a star. Then she put two of her fingers on top of the glass and told me to do the same thing. No, 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 I breathed. What? he said, obviously worried. Did she ask the table any questions? Biddy asked him. Oh, yeah. She asked it a bunch of stuff, and it would spell out answers by moving the cup over the letters written on the table. I thought she was moving the cup, and I said so, so she had me do it on my own, and I don't know how to explain it. Maybe it was the three drinks I'd had, but it felt like it was really moving on its own. She made her own damn Ouija board, Biddy said, incredulous. What's that? Jason asked, looking genuinely perplexed. Exchanging a glance with Biddy, I exclaimed, It's a way to contact the dead, and, well, other things. Oh, okay, yeah, I guess that makes sense because it got really creepy in that apartment after that. Wait, you've never heard of a Ouija board? I asked in disbelief. No, he replied simply. Did you ask the table any questions? Biddy asked. Yeah, sure. I asked if it knew my middle name. It did. It's Michael, Jason informed us. So then I asked it who we were talking to, and it did this crazy thing. It began arching the glass back and forth, back and forth, between the O and the Z. It did it at least ten times. Finally, I just let go of the cup. It weirded me out. And Reagan goes, it's him. He's here. Holy Mary, Mother of God, I breathed. Does that mean something? Jason asked. How much more time did you spend in that apartment? Biddy asked, ignoring his question. Well, like I said, the place got really creepy, and I just wasn't digging Reagan anymore. I made an excuse that I had an early workout and got out of there. How soon before you knew you had an attachment? Biddy asked. Her demeanor had changed. Whereas she appeared to simply be humoring Jason prior to the table revelation, since the name had come up, she was leaning forward over our table. Serious. Intent. Uh, I guess that night. I heard shuffling sounds at the foot of my bed around three o'clock, like someone was walking back and forth, pacing. It was weird, though. I, I couldn't fully wake up. Like, I knew it was happening, but I couldn't bring myself to do anything about it. And then the headaches started. 
They only lasted on and off for a couple days, but they were brutal. I get him once in a while now, but it's only when I'm doing something he doesn't like. I'm actually surprised he's letting me talk to you right now. Oh, shit, I said, my hand automatically searching for the medallion around my neck. Is he here now? Jason nodded. He's always here. Where? I asked. Jason tilted his head to the side and cracked his neck. Right behind my chair. He hovers behind me like that most of the time. It's weird, though. I don't know why, but he isn't giving me trouble right now. What sorts of trouble would he give you? Biddy asked. Well, headaches, definitely. They're so bad I get to the point where I want to cut my head off. That's usually how he'll stop me from doing something he doesn't want me to do. What doesn't he want you to do? It's hard to say. I think it's that he might not want me to interact with certain people, or I mean, forget about going to visit my mom or my friends anymore. It's good, though. He doesn't really bother me when I sleep. Actually, I'm sleeping better than I have since my dad died. And I know he likes when I work out. It took some time to piece that one together, but it's like he's given me more strength than I've ever had. My reps are up. I can lift more than I ever have in my life. I could run for hours. He wants you strong, Biddy commented. For what? I asked. The two of them gave me a look. What? I said. From all reports, Zozo likes violence, and forgiving me for saying so, Jason, but in you, he basically has a loaded weapon, Biddy explained. Zozo, Jason said, confused again. Yeah, that's his name. He was spelling it out for you on the table, Biddy said slowly. Oh, Jason replied just as slowly. Okay, I thought it was Oz. I stifled a nervous giggle. What do you mean, by all reports, though? This thing has affected other people? Yes, and he's incredibly dangerous. The mood swings you mentioned, are they getting worse? Biddy asked, seriously. For sure. It actually reminds me of what it felt like on the, uh, you know, the supplements. I'm pretty up one minute, feeling great, and then BAM! I'm about to tear someone's head off for not putting the weights back properly at the gym. It feels out of control, like I could rage at any minute. But you feel all right now talking with us, I mean? I asked. Yeah. The weird thing is that after I emailed you, he said to Biddy, I put my phone down on my bed, and when I came back, it was like someone had taken a sledgehammer to it. It was in a million pieces. I went to get a new one, and I was afraid to respond to your first reply. I deleted it. Then I get your next email asking if it was all right if she tagged along. He pointed to me. I didn't respond to that one either. He did. What do you mean? I wasn't going to write back to you. I'm not made of money. I knew he didn't want me in touch with you, so I didn't write you back. I couldn't afford to buy another phone. I didn't respond to the first email, and neither did he, but then when I got the response from you confirming the meeting time and place, I scrolled down and saw that someone, I mean he, had responded to your second email, saying it would be great if you brought her. Something like, The more the merrier, Biddy and Jason said in unison, giving me full body chills. Oh, fuck, Biddy breathed. I would never write something like that. Sounds like something an old lady would say, Jason insisted. 
Look, man, I don't know what your deal is, he continued, pointing to me again, but I need help. I'm afraid that I'm going to go off one of these days so bad that someone's going to get hurt. What the hell does this thing want with me? I said defensively. Later, Biddy said, giving me a hard look. I'll say it again. I know I'm not a saint, but I've tried my best to leave all that bad shit in my past. I help people now, and I'm a good dad. I don't know why this thing is obsessed with me. Look, Biddy said firmly, the first thing you need to realize is that all that stuff from your past is not what attracted this demon. This isn't like some sick payback from God for past sins. For whatever reason, Zozo finds a way out through the talking board, or in your case, table. He attaches to people he feels he can manipulate and ruin. He's using those memories and the guilt you carry over your past mistakes to weaken and drain you. You have to let all that go if you even have a chance of getting rid of him. What about the woman Reagan? I asked. Have you seen her again? Betty asked Jason. Yeah, I mean, not on purpose, but I keep running into her. Like I saw her yesterday at the Starbucks near my gym, and a couple days before that I ran into her at the dry cleaner. She's totally following you around, I said. No. Wait, do you think so? Jason asked, looking frightened. I have no idea what her role is in this, but if you see her, stay away until we can get someone to help you. The church will consider this a priority, but for the time being, I'm going to give you this. Biddy reached down into her bag for her wallet. She unzipped its coin purse and took out a St. Benedict medal. Then she put it on the tabletop and slid it across towards Jason. He stared at it. What is that? It's a St. Benedict medal, and it's been blessed by a Catholic priest. Put it in your wallet and carry it with you during the day, and place it under your pillow while you sleep, okay? It's not going to solve anything, but it will shine a little bit of light into the darkness around you. Jason continued to stare at the religious medal on the table. We watched him watching it. Take it, I said, fighting an inexplicable panic. Jason began shaking his head slowly, and then he grabbed his forehead, his jaw tight. Is it one of the headaches? Biddy asked quietly. Jason didn't respond. Biddy snatched the metal off the table. I'm so sorry, she said. I just had to be sure. Cyrus Taylor and Michelle Pucci couldn't believe their eyes. I didn't do it, Michelle whispered. Neither did I, Cyrus insisted. Then who did, Michelle asked. The roommates had been carrying boxes into the basement of their new rental house when they came upon something very strange in the basement. Why would anyone do that, Cyrus said, walking towards the chairs. Maybe it's a joke, Michelle replied, sounding unsure. Well, it's not funny. It's weird, Cyrus said, grabbing the chair that had been balanced so precariously at the top of the pile. That landlord's a strange ranger. I bet it was her, Michelle reasoned. Cyrus went about dismantling the structure made of eight old chairs, then the roommates dragged their boxes into a corner. Come on, Cyrus said. Only a couple more trips and we're done. 
Michelle dragged up the stairs behind him, exhausted. At the rental truck, they each grabbed a box. Cyrus, a set of old textbooks. Michelle, her beloved collection of Halloween decorations. They discussed where they should order dinner from that night as they walked back down the basement steps. Michelle was arguing for a burritos when Cyrus stopped abruptly in front of her, making her bump into his back. The collision jostled him enough that he dropped the box of books he was carrying. What in the hell? Michelle complained. She looked at Cyrus and then followed his gaze into the basement. The chairs had been stacked into that strange pyramid again. That's impossible, Michelle said. Cyrus began to walk towards the structure. Let's just go, Michelle pleaded. Cyrus wasn't listening. How in the hell, he said under his breath. Michelle put her box down and followed him reluctantly. It must be a ghost. Cyrus said excitedly. I mean, how else could you explain this? I'm going back up. Are you coming? Michelle asked, fear taking over her entire body. No, wait, Cyrus said. Look at how easily this could all come down. They're placed so perfectly. Okay, great. Let's just go back upstairs, Michelle pleaded. Cyrus was about to say something else when they heard the basement door at the top of the stairs slam shut. Heavy footsteps descended, and Michelle backed up toward Cyrus. Their landlord came into view. I'm so sorry, kids, she said. Oh, Mrs. Lewis, Michelle said nervously. You startled us. Mrs. Lewis smiled and nodded her head towards the chairs. Do you like them? Did you stack them like this? Mrs. Lewis began to giggle. And then she threw her head back, her body shaking with laughter. Her hands had been clutched behind her back, and when she brought them forward, she was only able to wipe tears of laughter from her eyes with one hand. The other clutched a large kitchen knife. Oh, she said, catching her breath. I haven't laughed like that in a while. I am truly so sorry, but it needs you. It'll be over soon enough. You'll like it down here. They all like it down here eventually. This has been Ghosts and the Burbs. Go to ghostsandtheburbs.com for all the links. Good night, sleep tight, and don't forget your nightlight.